This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 2, Episode 15. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. Brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021, as of the recording of this episode. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by... Can anybody take a guess? (laughs) Once again, I'm here. (laughs) Matthew Marister. Yep, I'm here. Big uh, big chief. (laughs) Oh, nothing. Just just trying to recover from some yard work that I've been doing, and uh, yeah, so... Recovering from yard work. That sounds like something that you do in old age. (laughs) Well, I I moved uh, yard work today. Now I must recover. Yard work's like, you know, like mowing the lawn, but I moved, I moved 16 cubic yards of topsoil. Oh. um, Which was it by hand, which was uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm recovering a little bit. He's recovering. He's a recovering <laughs> yard worker. <laughs> no, I know that feeling, man. When I say that sounds like something you do in old age, uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel every one of my years. And I just had a birthday, too. So, Yep, just uh, Monday, right? My wife's like, hey, how does it feel being a little bit older? I said my body is, or my, my numerical age is slowly catching up to where my body actually feels and happens and happens <laughs> anyway welcome guys to the podcast today we are talking about efficiency in the draw stroke which actually coincidentally is the topic of the most recent shooter ready challenge as found at shooterreadychallenge.com it'll be an interesting uh, topic of discussion today i mean the draw stroke you know the draw itself, drawing the, and getting the gun out from wherever it is you carry it, is the first step to actually engaging in a gunfight if you have a need to do so. So, kind of important to be able to uh, figure out the draw stroke. We're going to talk about how to make that more efficient and to work better for you. But first, today's episode brought to you by Laser X Dry Fire Software. As created by the team at laserapp.com. That is L A S R A P P.com. Uh, you guys know if you've been listening for any amount of time, I've been a user of the laser software for a long time. Laser X been out for a year or two and is, uh, in my opinion, the best version yet because it allows me to actually use my phone or my iPad or whatever it is that I have that has a webcam and an internet connected browser because the uh, laser X software runs right within the browser. Uh, it works surprisingly well considering that fact, but if you prefer a more classic application on your computer, uh, limited PCs only, you can always of course go with laser classic, but I like laser X and also laser X uh, does have the ability to, if you, if you want to purchase it on a month by month basis, so it brings down the entry, you know, the, the cost of entry a little bit uh, from buying the full-on license of either Laser Classic or 
a lifetime license to LaserX. And that's a good thing too. There is a lifetime license available for LaserX. Uh, so you don't have to be paying month by month by month for eternity. So uh, that's the cool thing about what these guys got going on at the laserapp.com website is they're constantly working to make things better and make more options for more people. Um, as you'll see in the Shooter Raid Challenge video this month, I've been getting more and more creative about how to use the LaserX software in my dry fire practice to test and validate, validate my dry fire practice and methods. And that I think is where the the value really lies is it LaserX gives you precise dry fire time and accuracy data that you can actually take something from. Now I don't put a lot of effort or uh, not, not so much faith, that's not the right word, but like I don't I don't get too hung up over the specific accuracy data that that LaserX provides. I, I'm looking for ballpark. Am I in the zone or I'm not or am I not? Okay. This is to me and people that like buy these you see competing software out there, Matthew, right? Where people buy a laser cartridge and then they buy they get one of these various apps that now exist out there. And for them dry fire seems to consist of press trigger, click, get laser shot on target and then rack slide and repeat and they're like going for accuracy mm -hmm. um, to me that's not really where the, the value and the benefit lies for me it's hey am I in the ballpark and then what's my time mm -hmm. Okay, because that's up until now that's been the hard thing to measure in dry fire is how fast can you get certain things done right. all the possibilities are endless and limitless with laser X dry fire software. Again, from LASRAPP.com. We encourage you to check them out. Also, today's episode sponsored by Next Level Training. NextLevelTraining.com is the website where you can find them. And of course, they are the makers of the fine CERT pistols. So I've got my P320 full size CERT model here. Uh, great dry fire tool, especially when you're trying to do dry fire training with a laser dry fire app like Laser X, and you need to be able to gather data on multiple shot strings. Mm -hmm. That's, that's again, something that's been really difficult to do up until now. Unless you're running a double action, uh, double action gun, it could be a revolver, but double action semi-automatic, for instance, with a laser cartridge. It, you know, but most people are probably using striker fired guns, which means click, rack, click, rack, click, rack. Not very productive. And all the other laser type uh, handguns are are not as, you know, uh, not as accurate in their size or shape or, or yeah. feel or anything. That I mean, there's I mean, uh, it's exp they're they're expensive, but they're absolutely worth it. I think this, this is the this, best one. This thing here fits in all my 320 holsters. Yeah, and here's the cert full size model, and here's my my P320 full size or P320 X5. Okay, I mean they're they're pretty much the X5's got a slightly longer barrel, but they, these are basically the same gun. Yep. So check them out, guys. Nextlevel training.com. Check out CERT pistols and all the other training 
tools on their website. We appreciate them for being sponsors of the show. Uh, we do need to get into the topic. Uh, yeah. So draw stroke efficiency, the shooter ready challenge video this month, uh, it really kind of focuses or hones in on one specific aspect, but I've found that just that one thing for a lot of people actually fixes a lot of problems in draw stroke efficiency. Uh, there, we can really certainly get into the weeds with, with the, a topic like this. Like we can really break down uh, every step of the process, like getting your hand to the gun, getting your, garment, your cover garment cleared out of the way, um, you know, how you establish your initial grip on the gun before it even leaves the holster. I mean, we could really get into the weeds on efficiency and the draw stroke. Uh, but, and we'll see how far we, we take this today. Uh, but we're going to start with basically this idea that was, again, you know, what I highlighted in the Shooter Ready Challenge video this month. By the way, guys, if you haven't seen it, just go to ShooterReadyChallenge.com and you'll be able to see the latest video. There's the June 2021 uh, Shooter Ready Challenge video. And you can you can watch this, uh, you know, after you listen to this or if you want to, if you're listening to this not live, you can pause and come back uh, after you go check that out if you'd like. But, uh, you know, so it, it kind of more or less focuses on one aspect, um, but I think it's an important one, and it's it's one that we I see anyway. I see a lot of shooters make some of the the common mistakes that I talk about in the video, and that we're going to talk about here today as well. Now, again, as I kind of alluded to a moment ago, why this is important: draw stroke efficiency, because this quite literally. M- could be something that saves your life. Uh, And it's not that we have to be constantly chasing that ever elusive for some of us sub second draw time, or even pushing it into the eighties or even into the seventies. You know, there's a point where we all have to make a decision about, Hey, have I gotten the 80%? out of this, meaning, you know, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. Have I gotten max benefit based on the effort put into it up to this point? Because from here on forward, I'm probably seeing diminishing returns based on, you know, as we go further and further to, to the high end of performance, we, it takes increasing amounts of effort to make what seems like very small gains. I'm certainly at that place in, in my own shooting journey that especially with things like the draw, uh, yeah, it is diminishing returns. Absolutely for me now. And I'm at a place where, yeah, I I constantly practice my draws, Matthew. I, I, you know, I spend time each day and each week practicing draws. It's the one thing that does get practiced more consistently than anything else, probably to the detriment of some other skills. But for me, number one, it's easy to do. So it's convenient because all I got to do is like the gun I, I've got on my on my waist right now. I can safely unload it and just get in a, a dozen or two dozen draws right, right here at home. And it takes me two or three, four minutes. And I could do that every day consistently. And it helps and it helps keep things sharp. So, 
it is something I practice a lot, which coincidentally means I'm decently good at it. I mean, there are people that are faster than me for sure. Um, but, uh, but I'm happy with where I'm at, you know, as far as like, I accept my, I'm not going to put an unusual amount of effort or an inordinary amount of effort to get, you know, try to get, okay, now let's try to get consistent point eights. Now let's try to get consistent point sevens. Like that, that's kind of pointless at this point. Um, but, but I put in the work and I'm, you know, I'm, I, it's not like I'm doing it lazily, if that makes sense. So it's like, if I happen to get faster, cool. But mostly it's about maintaining where I am, right? And again, why is this important? And why do I think that practicing draws for me is important, even at being a decent shooter and, a de- you know, decent, good, decently good at drawing? Uh, because nothing else matters. Like, I could be the best shooter in the world. I could be Max Michelle. I could be Rob Latham. But if I can't, and, and by that, I mean, I could be as good as shooting at them. I could be as fast at shooting as them. But if I fail in getting my hand to the gun, getting the gun out of the holster, getting it up on target and firing that first shot, if I fail somewhere in that process, doesn't matter how good of a shooter I am. doesn't matter how good my tactics are. doesn't matter how accurate, how fast, how good of a trigger finger, whatever. None of that matters if I can't get the gun out of holster and on target. Yeah, I, I, I should have, but no, I, you know, you mentioned something and I I didn't want to interrupt because, you know, you, you were hitting some good points. You mentioned about um, training to the detriment of something else. Like, um, and I think um, we can end up doing that in, in, you know, training your draw stroke, like you said, is, is super critical, but like how often do we train our draw stroke in different, um, different ways, like, uh, one handed, right. Or in a sitting position or practice in our vehicle or something like that. Right. So we might get to like a, a a one second draw time where we're standing and we have a t-shirt on, um, but do we ever practice it with a coat or, you know, different clothing or in these other contexts? And if we don't, you know, um, because we're trying to get a 0.9 second draw and we don't do, you know, these other things, I, I it, you know, at a certain point, it's like, okay, yeah, you're really good. You took off a 10th a second. That's, that's awesome. But if you need to draw when you're wearing your jacket that you wear, you know, 90% of the time in six months of the year, maybe that's, maybe that's a portion of your time that you should spend doing that rather than, you know, so I, I think it's, this isn't a, a, a podcast about priority of training or prioritizing what you, what you train for. But um, I like that, you know, you, you did touch on that and I thought it was important to kind of um, circle back. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, yeah, we do need to get to the meat of what we originally came here to discuss today. But I, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast before, and I think the most basic thing that we can do on a daily basis is get up in the morning. You know, whatever your usual routine is, but when you get dressed for the day, in in the clothes that you'll be wearing for that day, uh, and you're strapping on a holster and all that stuff, take a minute and do ten draw strokes. With whatever, you know, because that way you are actually practicing that day before you go out the door 
in the clothing and accessories or whatever that you are wearing actually that day. Uh, performance is as far as like how, how well you'll perform, you know, especially like at a subconscious level, uh, is going to be greatly affected by not just the total number of repetitions you've had collectively over all, all time, but also how recent those repetitions have occurred. Um, recency and memory is important. So, I mean, like you can have 10,000 draw strokes under your belt, but everybody knows because it just makes sense. And we, we experience this with all kinds of things in life. If it's been three years since you've pulled a gun out of a holster, it doesn't matter. You've done 10,000 draw strokes. Yeah, you're going to be better than that, than, than somebody that's never done it before or better than maybe some, you know, a lot of average people because, yeah, you put in a lot of time or effort or whatever, you know, three plus years ago, but you are going to be rusty. And so, you know, getting that frequency of practice is is a big factor in how well you can perform cold and on demand uh, at any given time. And by the way, if you have done 10 or 20 draw strokes in the morning before you went about your day, are you even truly cold? Right? You're, you're less cold than you would have been. I don't know if I'd say I'm warmed up, but I'm in better shape than I otherwise would have been because there's true cold, which means... Yeah, haven't done it, haven't touched it in X number of days or weeks even. And there's lukewarm, meaning that that morning I did 20 effective repetitions of that, meaning getting my hand to my gun, getting gun out of the holster on target, seeing 20 good sight pictures, getting 20 good trigger presses, and then load back up safely, back in holster, go about your day. I guarantee you that's going to be a benefit to you if today's a day that you got to use your gun. Yeah. Awkward pause. <laughs> no, I, I'm just, you know, yeah, it, we definitely should be doing that. I mean, um, I, I, and, you know, I think um, it's one of those things where um, I, I try to incorporate that into anytime my gun comes out of the holster, I try to make it into, you know, a, a draw stroke or, um, you know, do it a, a press check before you go out, you know, you press check and kind of, um, go back into the holster all in, in the same kind of, uh, a reverse draw, right? So those, those fundamental movements are still kind of, um, being used rather than kind of like, well, this is an administrative reholster. So I'm just going to kind of sloppily throw my holster in there, pull it out. Um, I think if you, if you do those things, those fundamental movements, um, even in administrative type, uh, uh, moments that, uh, that's reinforcing as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. Seems like my video is lagging a little bit, but hopefully it'll catch back up here shortly. Yeah, your audio is fine. So, yeah, it's like a Chinese movie, like with subtitles <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I've got a good good comment here from Jake. I believe that proper practice leads to consistency. From that consistency, consistency leads to efficiency. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, as long as you learned what was efficient to begin with, like you know, everybody knows the phrase practice makes perfect versus perfect practice 
makes perfect, right? Uh, meaning that certainly there are, because I encounter them, I train them all the time, various shooters that have ingrained in them less than, I won't always say that they're wrong, but less than ideal and less than efficient, uh, you know, habits and little quirks and things. Like everybody, everybody's draw strokes, uh, different, unique, almost like fingerprints. Like if you really break it down, you watch uh, people because everybody's biomechanically different. Like our limbs, you know, the distance from my elbow to my wrist is different than yours. And my hand size is different. I have weird hands in that I've got pretty massive palms with short stubby fingers, relatively speaking. Uh, certainly that's like my fingers are shorter than average for a six foot three inch man like that. I've always known that like it's been a frustration in my life that I cannot really palm well a, an NBA, uh, uh, you know, legal basketball. <laughs> like, like that's how small my span is from, from finger to fingertip to fingertip. Just, just put in perspective. So like we're all uniquely different. And so all those little factors play into how we move and that our, each of our draw strokes are going to be a little bit different from person to person. But it's important to talk about what are some of the principles behind efficient draw stroke, you know, movement. Um, now, the Shooter Ready Challenge video this month that I, you know, just filmed a few days ago, kind of more or less focused on one key aspect. And what that was is just keeping your your head primarily, but really it's keep, it's about keeping everything in your body still, meaning not moving, that doesn't need to move to, to draw the gun. Okay. And so like we can demonstrate and you'll see it in the video, but we can basically draw the gun in a manner where almost nothing in the body moves except for maybe you'll see a little bit in the shoulder. Cause obviously as my show, as my arm comes up, that shoulder socket's got to rotate slightly, but you, you, sh you shouldn't see a huge shrug, right? It should be for those of you that are watching right now, it should be like that. You know, just a slight little raise in the shoulder. Then you're going to see the elbow bend, the arm come up, right? You guys all get where I'm going with this, right? Like, you know, you got your support hand should be clearing a cover garment in, in the case where you have one. It's getting it out of the way. It's doing basically the same thing from the shoulder down, arms moving, hands grabbing the garment, garments coming up, elbows bending. Then your shooting hands going on the gun. And out comes the gun, gun comes up, two hands meet, grip is built, we're on target, right? We can, I can do that and, and or just go watch the video, shooterratechallenge.com, and you'll see where there's very little movement in everything else. And that's, that's the goal. Now, why focus on this one thing? Because... That this is the simple way of breaking it down. A lot of times when we're working with a shooter, working on draw, again, because they, we all have our own unique little quirks and ways about ourselves and how we move, like I could point at you and say, hey, stop doing this this shrug with your shoulder or stop doing you know this other thing with your other shoulder or stop doing, you know, stop ducking your head down as you're bringing the gun up to your eye. Um, 
Or I could just say, I want you to get your gun up on target in, in your natural stance, whatever that is. I actually couldn't care less as it relates to this exercise. Just point the gun at target like you normally would and, and in a way that feels natural to you. And then let's go back to the holster without moving anything other than your, you know, other than what has to move. Right. And then let's try to get back up on target again without moving anything other than pretty much your hands and arms from the shoulders down. And then just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth as you're doing that. And that's pretty much what the shooter rate challenge is about this month and this idea of drawing with efficient movement. Because if you focus on only, it depends on the, on the person's brain. Like some people can think it, it makes more sense for them to think of it in terms of if I focus in only on only moving what has to move to draw this gun and get it up on target. Conversely, some people prefer to think of it as I'm going to try to keep everything as still as I can while I'm drawing the gun. It doesn't really matter, but that's the idea because efficiency in this regard means that we get the most work done with the least amount of effort. That's what basically the definition of efficiency is. And so if we have a bunch of extraneous movement in various parts and joints and sections of the body, other than what has to move, then that means we're expending extra effort. And as it relates to getting a gun up on target, and getting your first sight picture. And that first sight picture is super important because that that's what allows you to take that first shot. And the first shot, if it hits the vitals, like chances are you're going to succeed. That's how critical that is. All of that is gonna, has the potential and usually is thrown out of whack when we have extraneous movement in the body. Mm-hmm. Because... Every extra little movement we do that's not specifically related to drawing the gun is a variable that means each presentation of the gun, each draw can be slightly different from one to the next. Yeah, so, you know, as if I was to rephrase that or or kind of recap that, I would say, like, uh, if you're the more efficient you are, the better chance you have to being consistent because you're not putting as many variables into the mix. So um, not only will it make you, you know, your your draw stroke quicker, um, it will make you more consistent with, you know, the presentation of your firearm and getting it um, to, to where it needs to be. And I think also um, it probably, you know, as you remove these failure points or these points where, you know, you could inter- interject um, something to go wrong, right? When you start smoothing those out or eliminating them, um, you have a, a, a better chance of being able to draw not just that one specific draw, but I, I think um, in in less than ideal situations, like let's say the, the shirt slips slightly or, um, you know, it, it doesn't go quite as smooth. I think if, if you're, if, if your fundamental, um, motion with your draw stroke is, is already kind of pared down to what's necessary. Um, when those little snags hit, 
you're, you're better able to, to adapt to them. I think I, um, it, it, it could be just from practice, but it, it, I think it also just comes to like, it's less complex for your bot, your brain to kind of figure out, Hey, how do I have to overcome this, this little bump in the road that maybe like I'm not used to, or I, I, I don't practice this, you know, my, my shirt slipping or what it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, comment from Eat, Shoots, and Leaves Tactical on YouTube saying, the tricky part is identifying that movement in ourselves. Got to film yourself, adjust, repeat, or practice in front of a mirror enough that you can memorize what the right way for you feels like. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that necessarily. I, I do think that we are capable of, again, and the best way to do it is to start already in your natural stance gun up on target aimed on whatever okay whatever you're you use for target for this and just bring the gun back and put it away in the holster and being uh, it's just it's it's pretty much just trying to hold steel as you reholster the gun and then you just try to re- reverse that and come out and back and forth I, I think a person can make, in other words, what I'm saying is I think a person can make some progress in this regard by just, just trying to hold still as you go through the draw stroke. Um, but yes, you, you do want, I think to either have somebody observing you and giving you feedback, uh, filming. And of course that person that's observing and giving feedback needs to have some measure of competency and knowledge about like, you know, what's important, uh, as it relates to this. Um, but, uh, you know, and then also filming, like everybody's got a camera on their phones these days, pretty much. So set it up, record yourself and analyze. So, and what, and a couple key things I'll look for is I'll look for any change in height in my head. And that's easy to do. Like if you can find a reference point, like behind my head on this camera here today, as we're filming this, this podcast, I have a certificate up on the wall. It's from a law enforcement instructor academy I attended years ago. Okay. I can, my top of my head is even with the bottom of that certificate right now. So I can use it as a reference point. And as I'm drawing, if I see that, and it could be just very slight, but just that, like that quarter inch or a half inch of drop in my head, that's still movement. Like we want to try to eliminate that as much as possible. So filming it, recording it, watching it, analyzing it, I'll look, uh, same sort of thing. I'll look for reference points with, in relation to my shoulders and I will film myself from the front, from the side, and even oblique angles at times, because you'll see different things from different angles that you might not see from a different angle. So, um, you know, look for reference points and I'll just look for shifts. And again, I should see a slight movement in that shoulder because, Shoulder joint has to move a little bit to make it possible for us to get the hands to the gun. But what we don't want to see, and I'll just throw this out. Like, let's talk real quick, Matthew, about kind of some some common, what are some of the most common mistakes that shooters make as it relates to this topic today in their draw stroke. And the first thing I'll throw out is the massively exaggerated shoulder shrug. Mm-hmm. So the whole shoulder of the shooting hand primarily, especially so, really just in an exaggerated fashion raises up because we think and we perceive that by doing that helps get that hand up so we can clear whatever and get to the gun. Um, I promise you, you can do that and draw 
with very minimal shoulder movement. Yeah. And sometimes I think that also bleeds into, or, or kind of, uh, goes along with um, kind of like a side to side motion. Like uh, if you're trying to draw the, you know, you lean to the opposite side to the, to the support side um, kind of the, uh, it mostly I see it with people that are drawing from like a traditional IWB or strong side, the lean, if they're right-handed way to the left um, it, it, you know, it is a movement in the shoulders, but they're also moving their hips. So um, mm-hmm. that that's a big, you know, that's, Yes. Obviously not what we want to do if we can and, do it. And it's a tell too. Like honestly, the, uh, from a like tactical perspective, the less movement I have as I draw my gun, the less attention I'm drawing myself. Like if I'm looking to capture the element of surprise, right? If I'm in a mo- if I'm in a situation where I'm I'm kind of waiting for my turn, waiting for my go signal to be like oh, now's the time to go because, you know, this, this guy, this threat, this robber, whatever is, has turned his attention away from me momentarily. Like the more movement I have in my body, especially when you see that telltale kind of lean and, to- you know, twisting uh, of the body that a lot of people do when they're drawing, like that's going to draw more attention. That'll draw more attention than probably the actual act of drawing the gun mm-hmm. in the first place. So it's just, it's, yeah, that might be a very limited, you know, um, example or, or thing that may or may not be an issue in however, you know, in a large percentage of situations, but like, why not have a draw stroke that minimizes my, my, uh, what's the word? Uh, not really footprint, but minimizes my, Mm, you know what I'm telegraphing. I don't know how it's. To, uh, there's a word I know I'm missing, but anyway, you, <laughs> I'm not smart you, enough to you know do what it. I'm uh, trying to say there. So anyway, that would be my first big mistake that I see a lot of shooters make is the massive shoulder shrug as they're drawing the gun. How about what's another thing for you, Matthew? Uh, I would say kind of like uh, the the dipping your whole body, not just like your head, but kind of like uh, you bend your knees and you kind of get into this like. Um, almost like uh some martial arts like you you drop your base like really low um mm-hmm. yeah yeah um not not so much yeah. just like a turtling like, type like you're you're bringing your shoulders up and your head down but your whole body's kind of like you're bending your knees and you're getting mm-hmm. like much lower mm-hmm. yeah like okay so let me address this this way because i agree with you and where i agree that the mistake is made is that a person is standing in already too erect of a, of a stance or body position. And here's the thing, when we are standing too upright, um, it, it's not a position that's well suited for movement or being balanced in a fighting context either. Uh, because, for us to then move, like I'm going to address Sterling's and that's, I guess I just gave away his identity, but, um, but uh, Sterling on YouTube has a question about getting off the X. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit here, but that's in the context of getting off the X. If I'm standing too erect or too upright, and then all of a sudden I need to move, I have to basically drop down and bend my knees so that I can get the, you know, get the things in place that, you know, that need to be in place. Meaning for, for us to move, 
especially explosively or with purpose, like we need to be able to push off, mm-hmm. right? And to push off, we need legs or knees bent. And that requires us getting down in the first place. So what I'm where I'm going with this is if you're in a sticky situation where things may be going sideways and you're standing there on the heels of your feet, two upright, you're already behind the power curve. You should have already been have have had adjusted in some way to be a little more prepared for what may come. Because it, whether it's a fist, a shove, a tackling move, you know, or grappling or whatever, or time to fight with knife or gun, I should have already positioned myself to be defensive. And so you're. I, that's what I'm trying to get at is like, you're right, Matthew, if someone's standing there and they're in this very natural upright pose, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I need to move or do something else. Uh, whether they are moving or not, if you are doing this huge drop the legs, drop the knees, drop the shoulders, draw my gun thing, then you're, you're behind the power curve because that should have already occurred. Right. I, and, and I think to, to clarify, like what I was saying is, is in, um, the, the comment like, um, about moving, right. And it's, it's about unnecessary movement. Like if we're going to move, if we're moving while we draw, of course, there, it's going to be different than if mm-hmm. things are going to move that wouldn't necessarily move if we were standing still. So it's about not moving the things that don't need to. So, you know, if we do have to drop our, 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 you know, body a little bit to move, of course, that's what we got to do to move. Um, but if I'm talking in the context of I'm standing still and I'm just going to engage a target, I'm not moving mm-hmm. there, you know, so I think there's, it's important to, to, to qualify it with the unnecessary movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really doesn't matter. So yeah, again, if you, cause having to drop the body down, uh, to get in more of, let's say, a fighting stance or mm-hmm. a movement stance, it, that that's a loss in efficiency. It takes time for you to drop everything down, and and so if that's part of your draw stroke, to close the loop on this one, Matthew, then that's where you're losing time and efficiency. As you are, as you're drawing, you're having to move everything and shift everything around as you drop your 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 center of gravity. So either start already in that position that you intend to end up in or practice drawing in that more natural upright stance. I don't care. Okay. As it relates to what we're talking about here today, uh, this is about minimizing body movement in parts of the body that don't require movement to draw the gun. Because here's why this is relevant. If I think if you stood there and just practiced in an upright stance, just drawing in a manner like we were talking about today, but then suddenly you find yourself in a context where you needed to be moving and you were already in more of a low center of gravity stance of some kind, fighting stance, um, you're, it, this will all carry over. It will all carry over. Yeah, there'll be some minute differences, perhaps. Maybe the gun position relative to your hand will be slightly different. So there's some of that that maybe needs to be figured out. But as far as it relates to you not having a bad habit of introducing other unnecessary movement to your draw stroke, that won't be part of the equation. 
That's what I'm trying to get at. Let's go real quick to Sterling's uh, question. He said, uh, so what does that look like when you take it out of the context of skills isolation and put it back into the context of, say, getting off the X from an attacker? Do we still want the torso uh, still and point the hips in the direction you want to move? Um, yeah, I, I'm saying that that here, here's the, and this is the terminology I use in the shooter rate challenge video. I say head and neck relative to gun. That's the piece that relatively should be about the same, whether we are moving or not moving. Does that make sense? Head relative to gun. That's what should be fairly consistent or constant. Because that's going to be the big factor in does my do my sights arrive on target where I want them to, where I am looking. Because if my head relative to where a gun ends up remains constant, then my sights have a much greater chance of actually being being there right from the right from the get-go. That same plane from Yeah. And, and so whether I'm moving or standing still, that will still be, it'll be roughly the same. Okay. That's where we're trying to, because if I'm doing this, meaning shrugging my shoulders up or doing something funky, because I have this extraneous movement in my draw stroke, then that's causing my head to shift and move and bob about, which means that it may or may not be in the same position relative to my gun by the time I get the draw completed. That's just one example, regardless if I'm moving or standing still. And to Jake's comment on YouTube also, he says he thinks it's important people practice drawing their handgun while moving. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's important practicing it static. I think it's important to practice for as many different contexts as we can imagine. So, yes, I agree. Um, I think this sort of thing starts in a static position so we can learn and watch and evaluate it. And then we put it to practice in context where movement are, is involved. Agreed. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no I was just going to add, um, may, you know, maybe we could um, talk about a couple of things um, like tips that we could uh, that help. Cause I know some things that help have helped me minimize some of the movement but unless you want to hit, you we could hit some more of those fundamental uh, problems uh, in, in movement, and then we could kind of circle back and do some tips. Um, sure, I'll just throw out. Um, well, we kind of hit on it, you know, but but if we're identifying straight up, you know, big issues or common issues that shooters have relative to their draw, um, it would be dropping the head. Or ducking mm -hmm. the head downward. I mean, again, we've we've pretty much have hit on that, but just identify. Like so far, we've listed over exaggerated shoulder movement. You touched on uh, dropping the whole body. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm just being more specific that actually ducking the head. And specifically, uh, really, what I what I see it's fairly common is, and, and I think this comes from the days of Magpul training videos and kind of the tactical turtle stance that was pretty popular a decade or so ago. <laughs> uh, you still see a lot of shooters that will do that. 
where their shooting stance is arms up, locked out, and head, you know, the head then ducks kind of down between, you know, and the shoulders are kind of shrugged and the head drops down. Uh, I don't think that's an ideal shooting stance, but that's irrelevant to this specific topic. And what I mean by that is, and I say this in the video, if that is your stance, then guess what? You should already be there before you begin your draw. At least that's what I want to try to communicate. I want you to, if, if this is you, meaning this tactical turtle type stance and arm position or whatever, um, whatever you want to call that. If the tactical turtle is you, then get in that position and then practice drawing to that with no movement in your head and, and upper torso. And that's going to help you learn the same thing. Now, real quick, before we move on to you, you had some tips. Um, here's where the laser X software comes into play with this. And the way I utilize it in this particular thing is we can practice and just do all these dry fire reps. It doesn't require the use of, of a dry fire laser cartridge or a cert pistol and laser X software or anything like that. But we can do all those reps. And when I throw a little bit of stress at you, you may kind of fall back into your old ways. We see that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so by simply putting a person on a timer, which laser X is a form of that, you get a go signal and it's counting the seconds as you're performing that draw. Well, now suddenly we've introduced a little bit of stress. And then we, um, we amp that up a little bit too. I use the example of let's do a build drill. That's just going to amp it up even more for some people. And so now it's all about, can I now do or perform this draw to first shot or this drill of some kind and maintain my body position the way I just spent all this time practicing, as we've discussed in this episode? That's, that's where LaserX comes into the picture um, uh, as it relates to the shooter rate challenge, is using it purely as a... I'm looking less at the metrics for that in this case, although we do want to still pay attention. Like, because obviously, if my normal draw is is a second or 1.25, but now I put it on the timer to test myself in terms of my draw efficiency, in in terms of looking at if my body movement. But now my draw is two seconds. Well, that tells me I changed something purely off. The, you know, like I'm not actually trying to test myself, right? So we need to do real actual draw strokes and first shots and build drills to create a little more stress and then look at ourselves and analyze our video or in the mirror or whatever it is to say, yeah, I've got it down now. Or no, still need more reps to burn this in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. one, one, one thing that popped in my head as you were talking was um, something that I, you know, I had, I still sometimes, if I haven't been practicing a draw, um, uh, will kind of creep in is um, getting the, 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 the strong side uh, elbow and kind of not, I'm not dipping my shoulder, but letting it kind of get away from the body rather than keeping it tight to the body where it facilitates a a easier or more efficient movement. And so, um, 
you know, I, I, I pick that up on sometimes, uh, you know, through video watching and, and I'll see my elbow just kind of start to drift a little bit away from my body. Um, if, if, you know, if you're not watching the video, if you're just listening, you know, kind of, uh, as, as you draw, right. Instead of, uh, keeping everything kind of tight, uh, I, I, you know, getting that elbow away, it, 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 um, it's, it's introducing un, unnecessary or wasted movement. And one thing that I've done is like, I've tried to stand a little closer to a wall on the, uh, my strong side sometimes um, in, in practice drawing it and kind of, it kind of forces you to keep that arm in. And that's one, one thing that uh, I've done to just kind of like reinforce like, Hey, that elbow is getting out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to just get in kind of, so this would be my tip and it's related to yours then if you wanted to get in just kind of your natural arms hanging at sides position or whatever, uh, we could, we could talk about a defensive fence position or hands up position. It doesn't really matter, but if you want to think about it in terms of wherever my arms are, if I can just simply move from the elbow down to hand on gun, like that's how I think of this. Uh, and, and that, that'll help you from really flagging those elbows outward or doing kind of the chicken wing thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'll tell you based on my personal anatomy that arms hanging naturally at sides, if I was just to bend my elbow, my hand will not get like, it'll, it'll be beyond the gun. It'll be past, you know, where it needs to be. It'll be about two inches probably more in front of my center line, my midline and my gun is more like at one o'clock. So, so there does need to be a little accommodation in the elbow and in the shoulder to actually get that hand to where it needs to be. Now, some of you, uh, particularly those of you that can carry more midline. See with my anatomy, carrying a gun at 12 o'clock does not work. Uh, it doesn't conceal as well as having it a little bit off midline. Uh, but some of you can, and therefore you may be able just to move your elbow or your, your arm and hand from the elbow down and just swing it up and in and be right on the gun. And that'll be really, really efficient. Um, so, but yeah, that's a great tip. It's just avoiding the chicken wing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that carry on the hip, it's like three o'clock, four o'clock, four 30. This all gets a little bit more difficult. Purely from an analyzing different carry position standpoint, uh, looking at where hands and arms need to move to reach guns, just looking at it from an efficiency standpoint, this is it, it answers the question of, is appendix faster than three o'clock or four o'clock hip carry. Yep, it is because I can move less stuff to draw the gun from appendix position. Simple as that. Uh, But so recognize that if I got to go back to four o'clock, let's say slightly behind my hip carrying IWB, then my elbow and shoulder has to rotate to the rear because it has to. That's where the gun's located. Well, that's more movement. It's less efficient. It telegraphs more 
but if we maybe we don't necessarily care about that, you know, I don't, I don't know, but just purely looking at it from a movement perspective. Yeah. There's more movement involved, but we still want to be able to achieve that with the same end goal in mind of minimize movement in the body where it's not needed to accomplish the task at hand. So just again, being, you know, aware of your body and just think through it and go, okay, what's the least amount of stuff I can move to reach my gun, stick it on the camera, watch it, analyze it and and ask the questions, ask the hard questions. Can I do less to get more? You know, and and that's a very great question to ask about anything shooting related or self-defense related. Can I do less to get more? And oftentimes less is more. Um, it's not always easy. It's a, it's a simple concept, but it's not always easy to realize that stuff, to discover those things or to actually put them in practice. Cause sometimes they, sometimes it feels awkward. I'll tell you when I first, like what felt more natural to me, Matthew early on was doing the big old torquing of the shoulders and the, and the, and the torso and chicken wing in the, the elbow out to get my hand on my gun. Cause that felt for whatever reason, more natural to me trying to retrain my body to do it a lot more simply felt less natural. But the truth of the matter is, is actually less work and therefore more efficient. So the more efficient, less work path feels more awkward, at least at first for most people. And that's where this is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. But in but in a stressful when your when your body's operating under stress we wanna we don't want complexity we want like uh, it, it, simplicity right and this is why I think um, what we're talking about and what you brought up with the um, efficiency and, and not wasting movement and interjecting these these fail points by doing all this rigmarole um, is important, not just in the draw stroke and time and stuff, but under stress, your body can, can, can better perform, um, you know, or, or it, it, it can't, it, trying to throw something complex at, at your brain, you know, while you're being attacked is, is not a great thing. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now continuing with the, the I mean, I don't, and you know, we, we don't have time to don't go totally off on another tangent here, but just this is just to get people kind of thinking and and getting those gears turning in their heads. Uh, we can apply a lot of the same stuff to all sorts of things. For instance, let's just talk about movement. And, and some comments and questions came up from uh, the chat here on YouTube and on Facebook uh, about, you know, movement and moving off the X and that kind of stuff. Uh, we could apply many of the same principles to those types of movement as well. Uh, meaning, and I, I hinted at this a little bit, but if I need to move, let's say, let's say if I need to take a big lateral step to the right, what do I need to do to make that happen? Right. Think, think through that a little bit. Okay. If, Again, I'm standing really upright. I can move my foot out to the right one big step, but because I'm already standing pretty straight, my legs are straight, like what's going to happen is I move that leg out 
and then I'm going to plop down on it. And then I'm going to move my left leg over to it. And it's just going to be kind of this, this rocking sort of motion, which if during the time I'm doing that, I'm drawing or I'm trying to shoot, that's going to be a lot of extra movement in things, especially if I'm trying to do this while shooting, it's going to be terrible. I won't be able to shoot very effectively while I'm taking that sidestep because it'll be very bouncy. But if instead my legs are simply bent some, then moving that right foot out to the right, extending it out, placing it down, I can kind of roll the foot into position a little bit more softly. And then bringing the, the left foot over to join it, similar. My, my knees are bent. My legs are bent. Uh, it's just easier to move. Uh, talking about transitions. If my knees are bent, I can drive or, or move those hips and legs in the lower part of my body more efficiently than if I'm standing upright. I'm more or less relaying, relying on just twisting my torso and swinging my arms. But if my knees are bent, I can actually pivot a little bit more all the way down into the knees and into the hip bones and actually make much more efficient, more precise movements just by having my legs bent somewhat. And this may not be as intuitive or as obvious to some of you listening, but I promise you if, you, if you just test this stuff, if you just put it on the timer, like it'll prove itself out again and again and again. So, yeah, point is, is like there's there's little things, and they're not always obvious, um, but little things that we can do that make the end goal more efficiently achieved. And it takes practice. Like it's way more like you look at, at every first time shooter, right? And they're standing very straight and sometimes they're even leaning back, right? That's what intuitively human beings a lot of times will do when they're shooting this boomstick, you know, that's about to go bang right in front of their face. It takes, in other words, it takes effort and training and practice and time and repetitions for us to ingrain ourselves the better path, the more efficient path, the better way of doing things. Agreed. It doesn't mean that we go seeking things out that are awkward for the sake of that, <laughs> right. you know, saying that, well, because this feels strange, it must be, be it must be right. No, that's not, <laughs> not what we're saying at all. Uh, just saying that there are a number of things as it relates to shooting a gun that, usually don't feel as natural or as intuitive. Um, but well, thumb, Yeah. Thumbs forward grip doesn't necessarily yeah. feel comfortable right away. Right. Or natural right away. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Oh man. Again, we can really get into the weeds <laughs> in terms of what's more efficient, what works better with some of these things, like even down into the, the, the grip itself and your arm positioning and like how I used to be very, you know, arms straight out, locked in, you know, elbows locked in thinking that was the way that that was going to permit better recoil control. Um, but the reality is, is that it was not, it was not as intuitive as what, what I thought. 
Anyway, point is back to the draw again, draw to first shot is I think one of the most important metrics for any defensive shooter. And that means any opportunity we can take advantage of to get more efficient at performing that is a win in my book within reason. Meaning again, we're not talking about chasing after ridiculous, you know, low times or anything like that. Uh, I mean, lower is always arguably better, but it gets to a point where we've gotten the most benefit that we can without wasting or throwing away a lot of time to try to get that time even lower. If I was to throw out, and we've talked, we've kind of talked about this before, but if you're someone that is close to that one second mark, uh, really anything under 1.5 seconds draw a first shot is respectable. I really like to see shooters down under 1.25. If you can consistently achieve a between one and 1.2 second draw, like, you know what, you've, you've probably gotten the 80% benefit out of the effort you've put in. And to get much better than that, you'll have to spend a lot more time uh, that maybe could be applied to other things better. Um, so just, just, just something to think about. And if you're not below a second and a half to first shot at seven yards on a typical target, like a USPSA, a zone or eight inch circle, IDPA target, that kind of thing. If you're not at a second and a half or less, then I'd suggest you have work to do. And chances are you will find in your movement of, and a lot of times it's just even getting the hand to the gun you'll probably find some efficiency opportunities to tackle and to get better at and probably make a big difference for you. So I hope this episode has been helpful for, for people. Oh gosh. One last question from John in competition. Do you compete from appendix? No, not yet. Uh, It wasn't legal in my division until just recently. And I am focused on making grandmaster before I choose to have more fun, if that makes sense. I, I'm a, I find a great deal of appeal in competing from the appendix position in like USPSA uh, shooting, but I'm not going to shake that all up right now as, I'm try- as I got a, a major goal that I'm trying to achieve, if that makes sense. Interesting question, though. So... Anyway, Matthew, last yes, part. No, I, I think it's good. Um, I, I like the idea. And, you know, you, we hit it a bunch of times. You hit it, um, the, the video self, self-analyzing. self But if you're, I mean, if you're brand new and you're like, I can self-analyze, but it, like, I don't know what I'm looking at, looking for, um, that course that you did, the Draw Like a Pro course, is a fantastic um fundamental, you know, it it will help you diagnose your own movement, wasted movement and how you can better break down the draw stroke into parts and, and better, um, become more efficient with your draw stroke by practicing it individual in individual segments and then putting it together. So that course is fantastic. Well, I appreciate you for saying that. And that's, that's a great point, uh, as it relates to this, this topic in this episode today. Uh, I, uh, I think I could I could actually probably 
add some things or even refilm that course and make it even a little bit better with some lessons I've learned in the last you know year. But uh, I, I do think that it's got a lot of meat on the bone for for people to go check out the Draw Like a Pro uh, video course. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's a great place to start to learn to to get better at the at the draw. And that's one of the reasons why I put that together is just because of how important I think this skill is mm-hmm. for defensive minded shooters. Mm-hmm. Today's episode again sponsored by Laser X Dry Fire Software from LaserApp.com and also the cert pistols and other fine dry fire training products from nextleveltraining.com. Before we let you go, we do, we do need to announce some winners of our weekly podcast giveaway. We do. This week, giving away a $50 gift card to SSP Eyewear. So you can get some great eye protective glasses uh, from SSP Eyewear. $50 worth. It's a yeah. nice value. Uh, go a long ways. Uh, and, and again, this is a gift card voucher type thing. So even if you choose to, to spend more than that, you're, you're going to get the $50 credit and uh, be able to, you know, get, get a, get a good deal. So this week's winner, please, Matthew, if you would drum roll, but Steve K you've won Steve K Steve, congratulations, Steve. Yes. We will get in contact with you, get that $50. It, it'll come in the form of a code that we'll send you that will be usable on SPIware's website. Matthew, what are we giving away next week? One of these, not this one because it's on my head, but and it's probably sweaty and you won't want it. But we'll give you a brand new uh, one of these 911 Flight 93 uh, ball caps. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we still have a few of those uh, left from a couple years ago when we gave out a couple thousand of them at the concealed carry expo. So, but not too many of them left. So one lucky winner this next week, guys, don't forget to go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize to make sure you're signed up for the giveaways that resets every week on Monday. So anyway, time to let you guys go. We appreciate you for joining us for this episode i will tease the next episode uh, season two episode 16 will be an interview with spencer keepers from keepers concealment uh he is also the founder of of well i i mentioned keepers concealment which if you're not aware is a fine holster manufacturer they make great holsters uh so but we're not gonna be talking well we could but we're our focus of that episode is going to be something a little different. He's known for appendix carry. Uh, he does kind of some appendix type classes. Uh, he's a good shooter too. Very, very, very talented shooter. Um, and of course makes a fine holster product, but we're actually going to talk about training and shooting and various considerations related to that. When someone is physically compromised or disabled. Uh, I uh, Spencer recently had had surgery, and so part of that is you know he 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 he's had to learn some things about how to continue to practice and and be ready to defend himself while he was not physically one hundred percent. So I think it's going to be an interesting topic and interesting episode. And Spencer is also a an instructor at our twenty twenty one guardian conference in, in which is 
convenient for him because he's in the Oklahoma City area, and that's where the uh, training conference is being held later later this year. So look forward to that episode of Spencer. And for those of you that are going to be watching us live, that will uh, uh, it's going to be a little bit delayed. He actually messaged me a while ago and said that um, he's delayed getting back uh, back home uh, due to uh, uh, actually the latest delay is uh, a traffic accident. So sometimes those things happen. So we'll, we'll go live as soon as we were able to with Spencer. We look forward to it. And until next time, guys, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>